today, our last Sunday here. Um, it's not going to be the last Sunday ever, but we just want, uh, what the Lord put on, on, on our hearts, that we just really want to just share with you guys just some lessons that we've learned through the last couple of years being here at Inspire and, 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 and lessons that we want to just leave with you guys, encourage you guys, and bless you guys with. And Jerry's going to get us started with that. Okay, pray for me. All right, so um, yeah, the, we're just we decided just to do three lessons that um, all of each of us has experienced and that we've grown from that we would like to leave with you. And the first one that I have is correction and wisdom. And Pastor Phil talked about this a couple weeks ago. I was like, yes, Pastor Phil's already talking about this. Um, so the verse I have for you today is Proverbs twelve one. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. And that's like in the Bible, okay? I just got it. That's not Jerry's version. That's, that's in the Bible. And so I remember, re- I remember like when I was, you know, a teenager and reading uh, the scripture, the version that I had was the wise love correction. And I was like, man, I want to get to the point where I would love correction. But we really, honestly, it, no one likes to be corrected. It's so, it's painful. It hurts. But over time, I've realized that, yes, I actually do love correction. Um, and so how can you get corrected? Well, the first way you can get corrected and disciplined and help you grow in your walk is read scripture. Scripture pierces our hearts and will correct our lives so that we align our lives with God's word. And this is evident in, uh, through King Josiah. He's in 2 Kings chapter 22. This king was uh, made king at eight years old. And he was, he's actually one of Mikey's favorite kings. This is who our son is named after, Josiah David, if you ever wonder what JD stands for. And so with this king, he was, you know, getting work done in the temple. And the, se- the secretary brought back the book of law. And he, they start reading it. And he just realizes that the kings before him and their lives aren't in alignment with the book of law. And so he tears his clothes and he repents. And God says, because you've repented, I'm going to, you're not going to see the consequences of their sin. And so this just goes to show you that if you want to align your life with um, what God has for you, then read scripture. I remember the first time I was, like, trying to read scripture. I was 18 years old, and my problems were a little bit different back then. My sister uh, and I would fight over our clothes. And is she here? Yeah, she's probably here. And um, so I remember reading this, and it says, Matthew, give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow you. If if they take your shirt, give your coat as well. And I'm just like, Lord, this is applied to my sister. (laughs) Because if you don't have, if you have an older sister, there's an unwritten rule that says that they can use your clothes, but don't you dare touch their clothes without asking. It's true, right? And so, and so this was like the first thing of like God correcting things in my heart. But now today, my sister. She buys me clothes. She buys me makeup. The Lord is faithful. She just bought me chocolates. I was like, God, you're good. My sister loves me. We love each other. Okay? And so um, the other way that you can get corrected is through people, and which is why I'm so grateful for Pastor Phil and Jam. They have, God has used them to correct our lives and I remember telling them in one meeting, like, you guys have made my life better. And, you know, it doesn't come from just meetings of, 
we love you, Jerry. Go for it. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> it's literally, I've sat in meetings with them, and they've told me, you know, this is not okay. You need to care about your family. And it has changed my life and my, the fam my family's lives for better. Jamas looked at me at one point and said, this is not a healthy perspective of what you have on, on this certain topic. And it's like, that is love, guys. And I just wanted to spell that because, you know, like, why would you want to get corrected? Ouch. But the Bible says a wise love correction. And so if you want to become wise, then you should really have a heart that's open to correction and humility. Okay. So definitely um, my main point is to get around people who are going to correct you. The verse is open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Open rebuke. Okay, so I was at a women's conference, and one of the speakers said, you know, we all have that friend that stabs you in the back, <laughs> or that person that stabs you in the back. Well, we need a friend that stabs you in the front. That's going to look at your face and tell you the truth, and it's going to hurt. It's going to, like, feel like a stab, but really it's going to help you. In fact, doctors who try to heal, they take a scalpel and they cut you open, but they're doing that to help you. I remember where, and, and sometimes it's like, man, they'll stab you, and you're like, you're already going through pain. You're like, you don't need any more pain in your life. Um, but I remember when I was, uh, I had my emergency C-section with Mariah, and I don't know why they do this. I should ask my sister. She's a nurse, but they, I have a wound right here that they just cut me open, and they, they, you know, they stitched me up. But the nurse starts pushing on my wound, and I don't know if it's to, like, whatever, massage it or let the blood out or whatever. And I, like, was in so much pain. And I, I'm, like, I'm submitted to authority. Like, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to talk back to this nurse, but I, like, blocked her hand. <laughs> I, like, couldn't help it. I blocked her hand. And Mikey was like, please let her, let her, you know, do what she needs to do. And I'm like, no, it's so painful. And so sometimes, like, when we hear words, it could sting so much. But, you know, you need to hear this if you want to grow in order for you to grow even as the Bible says, as you produce fruit, God's going to prune you. And pruning hurts. Like, I remember my dad would prune flowers. I'm like, you're hurting the flowers. He's like, oh, no, like, this is going to help them. Okay? So that's one of the things. I'm going to give you an example on, uh, of a, a time where I got corrected just to demystify and help you feel better if you get corrected. Well, one, <laughs> one time I was an intern. This is about over 10 years ago at a church. And I was a fundraiser for a luau, and they asked me to dance because they have, like, dance and luau. But it was at a church. I mean, I was fully dressed, but I was concerned that I was going to cause some people to stumble. Like, oh, I don't want to, like, you know, tempt anybody. And, you know, I was just, you know, thinking about, like, my righteousness. And, like, I don't want to sin against anybody. Well, I dance, and, like, people were cheering. And in my mind, some guys were doing, like, you know, like, it was a Hispanic church. They were doing, like, the yell, you know. And so I'm like, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I just stumbled someone. And so I ran in the bathroom afterwards, and I was just crying. I was mad at my director. I was like, oh, you made me do this. And I was just like, you know, just crying. And my director um, pulls me out, and he's just like, and I'm thinking he's going to comfort me. He's going to apologize to me for making me do this. But he said, uh, Jerry, who did you dance for? And I said, Jesus. And he looked at me, and he said, so why are you so focused on yourself? <sighs> yeah, it still hurts. <laughs> it was deep, and it was my first, like, I would say slap in the face in ministry that I felt, but he was right, and it actually shaped my ministry. Am I here to think about myself or how, what people perceive of me, or am I here for Jesus? You know, like, I, does, like am I here to do ministry uh, for others, or, or is it here, and it's just about me and my show? 
So that was just an example. And this is in alignment with the Bible. Um, you know, I'm just going to run through it. The, the verses are going to show it's in Galatians chapter 2. This is an example of Peter being corrected by Paul. Now, Peter was a rock of the church, okay? But he was um, acting hypocritical. I mean, it's very, it's straight up in the Bible. So Galatians 2, 11 through 16. Basically, Paul realizes that Peter is acting like a hypocrite, and he goes and he confronts them. So when Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before a certain man came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. And so, like, this is just to show you that, okay, Paul, he didn't pull him to the side. He confronted him in front of all the leaders. And this just shows you that, yes, correction, it, it may hurt. And you might be thinking, wow, that was, like, messed up. Why would he do that? But God cares about our holiness and our righteousness. He acknowledges the pain, but it's willing. It's like, it's like correcting our children. It might sound harsh, but it's, like, it's for their own good. Okay? And so this example in the Bible shows us that even you might be the highest person in ministry. doesn't mean that you're not susceptible to, to need correction and, to, uh, and sin. And so you need friends in your life that are going to help correct you. And it makes me wonder, I wonder if Peter had any friends around him that would just tell him the truth. If I was Peter's friend, if I was a disciple, I'd be like, there's no way I'm going to tell Peter. I mean, I saw this guy walk on water. Like, he walked on water, and God, I was there when Jesus said, you are the rock of my church. And so it's, you know, what type of person are you? Are you allowing, are you a... Are you, do you show that you have humility in your heart that someone could actually tell you the truth and correct you? Okay, so the main verse that I really want to focus on, too, is Hebrews 12. And we're, uh, it's starting at verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So some practical steps for correction is read scripture that will just help correct you. Um, be in a relationship with people or invite uh, people into your life that you trust. You know, you don't want to just go tell ev- everyone your business. <laughs> and just like, correct me, correct me, you know. Um, guard your heart in that, but still be open and then have a humble heart. And know that it's okay to receive correction. Okay, so <laughs> the next thing that I want to talk about is love and forgiveness. This is huge in my life that God has done. And I'm trying to, like, you know, go because Mikey has this thing, too. But you need to fight to love your neighbor and your brothers and sisters in Christ. So 1 Corinthians 13, we've all heard it at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, the whole passage. But I checked the context of that verse. It doesn't just say only recite at weddings for your husband and your wife or only recite this for your girlfriend and your boyfriend. Okay, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So what if we apply this to some of those broken relationships that we have? The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy not just your relationship with your spouse. He wants to steal godly relationships. He wants to destroy that relationship you have with your sister in Christ or your brother in Christ. He wants to destroy relationships you have with your pastors or leaders. Why? Because he wants to create division. He wants people to be wounded, and he wants them to leave hurt, bitter, and with unforgiveness in their heart. And so... 
what this is really, now I've seen God work a miracle in me and my husband's life, and I've seen him work miracles in my relationships with some of my friends who are in the church, okay? So I want you to just think of a person, hope, you know, if you don't have anyone, but think of a person that has wounded you or hurt you. And um, think of that person and ask the Lord to help you love and to forgive this person, Okay, and, and, and you know, for, uh, I'm going to focus on the, this, the passage right here where it says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. And that's when the Lord tell me, you have to fight to love because the sinful nature wants you like, no, they did this to me. They deserve, they deserve whatever they're getting. That's the sinful nature, and it says that we war against the sin. Uh, against the flesh. The spirit and the flesh war against each other. And then this side, the spirit's telling you, no, like, have love on them as Christ has love on you. Have grace on them as Christ has uh, had grace on you. Forgive them as I've forgiven you. And so it's a battle. So you have to fight to love this person. And it's hard. It is so hard. Okay? But do not let offense, your offense of that person be greater than your love for that person. Don't let that offense be greater than your love. Now, Jerry, that's easy to, to, uh, for you to say. But have you ever walked? Have you ever been hurt? And I have. Okay, but I've seen God. I mean, it, it's taken years sometimes, but I mean, I'm living in freedom and deliverance with my relationship with my husband. I'm living in complete freedom. And I have a story. Um, I have a story for you, which is uh, that about 10 years ago, I had a falling out with one of my girlfriends in Christ. And, um, you know, it was just falling out and it was sad. And, but, you know, I was, we just still tried, like, we would see each other every now and then. And, you know, we just try to love each other and forgive each other. And, you know, about five years ago, we had a conversation. And we just were just talking and sharing our, our love and, and just being honest with each other. And then in, a year later, we were working at the same place. And God brought us there. And he was just bringing healing. Do you ever notice how sometimes people have hurt you and then you just happen to see them? It's like, dang, I'm trying not to, you know. But it's like. God was just bringing healing and healing. And this is the course of over some years, okay? But I'm so, praise the Lord, and able to say that I am fully, completely healed and restored. Me and this girl love each other. I mean love each other. Like, there's a verse by a, a rapper who says, I never learned, knew what freedom was until I learned what prison means. Some, people, some of you guys are living in a prison that God wants to release you from. That thought that keeps coming about that person, that's not from the Lord. He wants to heal you and deliver you and, and to help you forgive that person. And I've, I know because I've been in that prison thinking like, oh, it's just easier for us to walk away. It's just easier for us to keep going another way. You know, but in your relationship with your spouse, you're willing to fight for that relationship. Because why? You want to be with them. But with relationships with our sisters or brothers in Christ, it's just easier to walk away. But God wants to live. And what's so awesome is that, like, I'm, I'm so free from this. And I love her so much. And she knows that. And she doesn't know that I'm talking about this. But she goes to this church. <laughs> and we love each other. And we would just declare our love for each other. And so I just want to say, because there's freedom and deliverance from hurt and pain in your life. Okay? So, um, Yes. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is fruitful. This is the last thing, the fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. So, um, Colossians 1.9, it 
is, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So um, Paul opens up Romans and he says, man, I wish I could go to you, Romans, um, even though I've been stopped, so that I might have fruit amongst you. So Paul understands that when you minister, you're planting seeds, and those seeds are going to grow, and they can actually reap fruit from that. And so this is, um, so that brings me the story of how we met Pastor Phil and Jam. And so <laughs> Pastor Phil was a chaplain at his school. Mikey was working there, and we didn't, I wasn't working there yet. And we didn't have a church to go to because our pastor retired. So I was attending his chapel, chapel, chapel services at a school. And the Lord told me, this is your pastor. And I was like, I went up to Pastor Phil. We barely knew each other. And I was like, the Lord told me, you are my pastor. <laughs> and, you know, he's just a chapel, chaplain at the time. He was a youth pastor. He didn't even have, he was like at his own church, right? And then it was crazy it was that not long after that, Jam was praying for me. We met at a service, and I was on the floor, and, Jan, and God put the burden of our heart. And she said, "Who, she, Lord, she doesn't have a covering. And God put that burden. You know how Pastor Phil talks about getting that burden from the Lord? And so that was like four or five years ago. So who would have thought four or five years later I would be sitting in the front row of the church, and you are a pastor. And so what's crazy is that they planted a seed and that plant grew. Mikey and I are the fruit of that. You guys are the fruit of that. Pastor Phil had a launch team about, prayed for a launch team about 40 people. God met that and exceeded a little bit. And now we're about four to five times the size of that. It's crazy. Just a few years. Okay, you know what's so cool about fruits? If you cut an orange open or an apple open, guess what? They have their own seeds. So even though Mikey and I are, were fruits of this, we have now seeds that they've helped grow us. And, and watered us and planted with us. And now we have our own seeds and we're going to go spread the kingdom. And, and so you guys have your own seeds too. Now, some of you guys were like, wow, Jerry, I'm just trying to go to church, you know. I'm still growing here. You know, I'm not. And that's okay because guess what? Fruits have their growing process too, don't they? They develop. They don't just boom. They're all of a sudden they're fruit. They have a growing and developing process. But every fruit has its own seeds to reproduce and to multiply. So my question is to you, what are you doing to be fruitful? What are you doing to be fruitful? And you know how you can be fruitful? One is minister to yourself. In other words, feed yourself, okay? Feed yourself with the word. It says that the word says that a man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. Okay, so if you're reading scripture, you're feeding yourself. You're, you know, going to um, connect group. You're, you're listening to sermons. You're feeding yourself. The second way is to minister to others. Be in a relationship with others. Relationship with others. Serve. And I just want to tell you that you don't need a platform to be a fruit. You don't need to be a platform to distribute seeds. And the way that I'm going to prove that to you is I'm going to talk about some fruit in here. They don't know about that. <laughs> fruit here and inspire that you might not know about that are being faithful with their seeds without having to have a platform. There's one lady who goes to her church who sends daily devotionals. Oh, my gosh. And God uses her from the ministry that, like, the fruit that she's been growing in her own life and at this church, uses her to send devotionals with scripture daily. And she's been faithful for that four to five years. And has, it has, like, spoken into my life. There's another person here 
who um, who I worked with on the, our hospitality team, and she just gives me um, sermons. She's like, "Here, you listen to this." And God has used that podcast and those sermons to pour into my life. There's another person here who I also did a hospitality to hospitality with, and she just—I mean, if you look at her uh, social media, there's like no pictures of herself, and she just posts inspirational. Um, and scriptures and verses, which has fed into my life. And then I have my Uncle Gus, who I met. Well, I didn't meet him. He's my uncle. <laughs> Our relations strengthened through Connect Group. And God has used him to pour into my life. You know what's so crazy about this? All these people that I talked to you about, I met serving on prayer leader team, hospitality team, you know, children's ministry. And so it's like, Yes, serve. The Son of Man did not come here to be served, but to serve. Okay? So you have no idea. The enemy wants to make the inconvenience of serving bigger than the blessing. So some of you guys are like, man, I, this is so inconvenient. I don't want to serve. Like, I have, I have so much stuff in my life. Well, it's like God wants to bless you. And the enemy wants to like, no, this is inconvenient. God's like, you have no idea how blessed you're about to be. Okay? So, um, Real quick, I have a toilet boy story. <laughs> okay, you'll get it. But basically, there's this college intern. I mean, he just graduated from college. He was an intern. He was working at this uh, job. And um, they ran out of work for him. So they're like, can you clean the toilets? Can you clean the bathroom? And he was like, uh, okay. So he's cleaning the toilets. And he looked up. And he's like, man, God, did you forget about me? And um, so not, not too long after that, he gets a phone call. Because he's been applying to full-time jobs. He just graduated, and so this um, he gets an interview, and the, the, the head honcho interviews him, and, he sa- and he's going through the regular questions, and at the very end, he says, if I told you to wa- uh, clean a toilet, what would you do? And the guy goes, <laughs> he just laughs, because that's what he's doing right now. He's like, I would just pick up a sponge and clean it. <laughs> well, long story short, he gets the job, and the, he asks the owner, like, why did you choose me out of all, all the candidates? And he said, you know, there's a, I have a stack full of people who p- apply for this job, but you are the only one that said you would clean that toilet. And he said, I didn't come from, like, you know, a rich background. I was poor, and I, and I clean my toilets at my own house. I, don't, I can't have a man who's too pride to clean, their, to clean toilets running my company, and now here he is running different multiple departments at this company. The crazy thing about that is the thing that humbled him and humiliated the most secured his elevation. Isn't that so biblical? Philippians 2 says to have the mind of Christ, which is humble. He became obedient to the point of death, even death as a cross. And then what happened? Therefore, he has been elevated. He has been, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So... Um, one last quote before I pass it on to my hubby is um, by, uh, by Jensen Franklin is, if you are too great to do the little things, then you're too little to do the great things. Mikey and I, we're, just, we're going to another place to serve, okay? I'm going to be making coffee because I know how to make coffee. I want to be making donuts and I want to bring donuts, okay? Praise the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm not, it's not like, oh, man, we just made it. You know, here I am. No, Okay. Like, this is the size of the church. It's one quarter of this, okay? And I know how to, I have joy now in bringing coffee and donuts because it has refined my character. So don't underestimate what God does in those little things because Jesus' humility, his um, humiliation is what secured his elevation. Okay? So.
Amen. She was so nervous. Oh, my gosh. That's her first time speaking here at Aspire Church. So good job, babe. Good job. <laughs> Real quick, I won't take too long. Um, man, if, if, if I can get through this. Uh, this place has meant so much to me, and I know that they're not even in here right now, but I cannot uh, not say thank you to Roberto, Kiana, everyone that helps out the kids' ministry. Man, you guys have planted seeds in, in our kids, and now where we're going, our kids is the kids' ministry, uh, all two of them. And you know what? We are just so thankful for, 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 for them, for all of you guys. You guys have all had a role in the past two, three years in, in shaping, molding. God has used you guys to help place me and Jerry where we're at today. And, 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 you know, God had a plan the whole time for us to be here at Inspire Church. But it wasn't just for us. Just like Jerry's been talking about, he has a plan for each and every one of you. You're here for a reason. You are here for a reason, and, and, I just have, and I just have to let you know that, you know, being a pastor, it is a huge call because you are in charge to shepherd the souls of people, but you know what? You guys have amazing shepherds right here in Phil and Jam. They go to war for you. They battle for you always. They're always going to be there for you guys. So I'm just so excited for what God has in store for Inspire Church, for you guys. And I just want to share real quick three things that God's put on my heart of what I've learned here and that I want to leave with you guys. Number one, the first thing is be active. Be active. It has to go along with what Jerry just talked about too, about being fruitful. But be active. James 2.17 says this. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It was here at Inspire Church that, that one moment not too long ago, I was reading James, reading this verse, and then I felt God say, you know what, Mikey, you have learned a lot, you have grown, and now it's time for you to start doing, all right? You're never going to become who I want you to be if you don't start doing. So I'm not saying that everyone here go out and start a church or go out and then pastor a church. No, just start doing something. Whatever is next for you, you're never going to grow unless you do. No matter what, no matter what it is, you're never going to grow as a spouse unless you start doing some things. If all we do is go home and watch ESPN three times a day and never talk to our spouse, well, we're not doing anything. We're not going to grow and become better. If we're not spending time with our kids, valuable time, then we're not going to grow. You only grow by doing. You know, being here at, 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 at Inspire you know, we have great messages every Sunday, great worship, and praise God for that. But it can't stop there. It cannot stop there. We learn by doing. We learn, and we're going to grow. So be active here at Inspire. Be active. It's a safe place here. filled with people that love and care for you. And, guess that, and, and, and then get this, too. Also, I learned they don't care just about you being active and serving just so we know we could put the stage together up on time and get the lights going and all that. But they care about your rest here. That's one thing that I've learned from Pastor Phil is that about, about, about this church is, is, is about being in, in uh, the tension of serving and resting. So don't think of, oh, now I need to be active. Now I'm just going to be worn out. No, no, no. They care about you resting here as well. You never know what you're missing out on by choosing not to do something. You never know what, 
what God wants to show you, where he wants to take you, unless you actually do it. And I was listening to a, a, a podcast by Christine Kane not too long ago, and I might have shared this already, but, man, it hit me hard because she is so busy. She is such a busy woman. She travels the world. She has a family. She runs this, runs that. And, the, and, the, and then so they asked her, how do you not burn out? Because if someone looks at your life, it looks like you just got too much going on. Christine Kane said, well, see, people burn out not because of what they add, but because of what they stop doing. So it's not so much about what you add on, oh, now, and, and, and now this is, a, is, is, a, is a just going to burn you out. But it's, it's, it matters about what you stop doing. Because we add on things, so sometimes we stop reading our word. We add on things, and so we stop spending time in prayer. We add on things, and so we stop meeting with other believers and then growing there. So it's not about what you add on, but it's about what you stop doing. So be active here. Add the right things. And God's going to show you new things. The second thing that I want to share with you guys is stay consistent. Be active, but you just can't be active here and then stop this week. And then be active next month and then stop again. Be active and be consistent. 2 Corinthians 15.58 says this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, or knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. One of the biggest lessons that, that, that uh, I have learned here is that consistency matters. Consistency speaks so much that words cannot say. Just by you showing up, just by you being active and then not giving up, it shows so much about who you are, about what God is doing in you. Paul says, be steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in, in our work for the Lord, and then your work is not in vain. None of us wants to do something for no reason, right? Well, if you want that to happen, your work not be in vain, then it's all about being consistent. If you are consistent, if you just find the strength just to keep on going, just keep on reading, keep on praying, then it says your work is not going to be in vain. And you know what? Just about reading the works, I know some of us feel like, man, I try to read the Bible, but you know, sometimes I just feel like I, I have no idea what the heck it's talking about. And then we get frustrated, and then we stop reading it. I want to encourage you guys, just keep reading. Just keep reading. Your mind might not get it, but your soul is drinking it up. It is soaking it up. And then I tell you what, if, if you just keep on going, it's going to be revealed to you. It is going to be revealed, and it's not going to be in vain. So stay grounded. And one way to stay grounded is in 1 Corinthians 1, 20 through 21. It says this. Paul writes, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Or in other words, where are the ones that think life needs to be complicated? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the world, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Stay grounded, be consistent, and keep it simple. Keep it simple. Don't lose the fact that Jesus loved you so much that he chose to go through the cross and to die for you. Don't lose that simple fact. You know, it makes me think of Billy Graham and then his ministry. 
I mean, this guy traveled the world, filling up stadiums, thousands upon thousands of people, and then he preached the same message every time. It wasn't something that, 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 um, uh, that was just so grand, but it was Jesus on the cross and what that means for you and me. He kept it simple, and that's what we got to do, keep it simple. And the last thing here, and this is in a conclusion, don't give up. Don't give up. Be active, be consistent, and don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Don't grow weary. Now, yeah, I think, why would Paul say don't grow weary in doing good? He's saying you need to expect weariness. Some of us don't expect this walk, trying to go after God, is going to make us weary. And so because we don't expect it, we let it hit us hard, and then we stop and we quit. I tell you what, successful teams, no matter what sports, they're not successful if they're going into that, going into that next game thinking, oh, this is a piece of cake, this team ain't nothing, we got this, let's just show up and we're going to win. That is a recipe for disaster. But successful teams, they go into each game saying, this is going to be a battle. And so we're going to plan accordingly. We're going to practice. We're going to do the little things. And because they expect a battle, they're ready for the battle. And so Paul's saying, don't grow weary in doing good. Expect the weariness to come. But if you do not give up, then you are going to reap in season. Reap when we want it or when we think we need it. No, no, no. You're going to reap in season if you do not give up. And, you know, about a year and a half ago, we've been living with, uh, with Jerry's parents now for a couple of years, ever since God made this trans, tra- uh, trans- transition take place. And... Um, and about two years ago, though, I really felt God say that by the end of this summer, this summer that just passed, I'm going to give you your own house again. This is almost two years ago. And so we start praying every day, like, God, all right, well, you got to do a whole lot because this is the Bay Area, okay? You got to do a whole lot for us then if you're going to give us our own house. But we prayed every day for this for almost two years. And then finally, when... When about three months ago, when this summer hit, I was like, God, it's going to have to be a miracle because we don't have anything lined up right now. It's going to be a miracle. And then the first month passed, and then the second month passed, and then the beginning of August, you know, I was like, God, there is like about less than a month left of summer, and there's no house in sight. No house in sight. And Jerry could tell you, there was a night when I just, like, threw up my hands. I was like, God, we prayed every day for this. I felt you speak this to me. And there is no house in sight. Then through the wise counsel of Pastor Phil, I I met with them when this whole transition took place. He said, you know what? You should start spending every day at your new church. Just spend your time there. Just, Just be there. Just soak it in. And so for every day, the last three weeks, Jerry and I have been going there, spending our time there, praying there, getting work done there. And then after the first week of us sitting there, we were in our office there. And then Jerry says, hey, remember the Lord said that he was going to give you a new house at the end of the summer? I was like, yeah, he did say that. He's like, well, it wasn't the house that you were expecting, but he did give you a new house. Praise God. And I say all this to say that don't give up. 
don't give up no matter where you're at, no matter what you're holding on to in due season. See, the enemy just wants you to grow weary so that you don't receive what God has in store for you. So that you do give up. He, he wants to do whatever he can to get you frustrated, stressed out, burned out, so that you don't receive that blessing, what God wants to give you. But if we don't grow weary, then we're going to receive it. But we cannot give up. So I just want to pray for you guys this last time. won't be the last time I see you guys, I promise. But if we could all just bow our head and close our eyes. Dear God, I can't believe that this is where we're at right now. I thank you, Lord God, that those that choose to follow you, that, that, that those that choose to give their life to you, that it's not in vain, that our work is not in vain, Lord God, but, but you do come through in due season, Lord God. We are so incredibly thankful for that, God. And I know, God, that you're speaking the same thing over everybody here this morning, that no matter where they're at, they might be weary right now, but, but you're saying do not give up. The enemy wants you to give up so that you don't receive what I want you to have. But, God, I pray right now that you would give strength that you would give the joy, the peace of mind that everyone here needs to get through this weary season so that they won't give up and that they will reap in due time, in your time, God. I know that you have great plans for this church, great plans for everybody here, Father. And it's all about being active, being consistent, not giving up, and just continue to seek after you even when it hurts, even when it even when we don't get it, Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you would just encourage everyone. Encourage everyone here today that it's going to be worth it. That it's just right around the corner, God, what you have in store for them if we don't give up. Thank you so much for who you are and for what you're doing, God, for being so faithful, Father. Jesus, let me pray. Amen. Amen.